please remain standing while we read a passage of scripture. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, where the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. That means don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you certainly did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to tell you today how to feel good. Repeat those words after me, please. How? To feel good. Be seated. There are millions of people who not only do not know how to feel good, they seem to be incapable of tolerating life and reality. They're unable to cope on their own. And this inability is manifesting itself in a number of ways in the lives of people in this day. We know that the drug abuse Outbreak is a manifestation of one's attempt to avoid reality, to create a feeling, a perception of things by an artificial method. And so an avalanche of substance abuse is sweeping our world. Those who turn to drugs in an abusive way, those who turn to alcohol are saying, I don't think I can tolerate reality without something that would bend my mind. But unfortunately, their escape becomes their trap. And then many physical illnesses are manifestations of an inability to tolerate life and reality. High blood pressure, ulcers, asthma, heart trouble, 
many skin conditions, a host of other illnesses can frequently be traced to improper emotional responses to life. It's also true that mental illness is often a manifestation of one's inability to cope. And I'm not just referring to people who go stark raving mad, but rather to people who allow their perception of life to cause them to develop personality flaws, delusions of grandeur, persecution, inferiority complexes, delusions of depressed isolationist philosophies who become egotistical and vain, who become proud, odd, and cold, touchy folk, ill-tempered folk who are excessively compulsive, whether it be for sex or drugs or food, they're saying, I can't cope. I can't tolerate things as they seem to be in my world. One of the aspects of character and being which separates and differentiates people is their tolerance level. People do have varying levels of tolerance. And what may devastate one person may barely distract another person. But your response to a thing, your response to a circumstance is often the basic factor rather than the thing itself. If you can't take it, you won't be able to make it. And there are so many people who just cannot take anything. Someone here today, you're at the breaking point. You're on the verge of giving up, giving in. Your mind, your body have reached their toleration limit. And may I suggest that the text that I've just read a few moments ago can not only show you how your tolerance level can be raised infinitely higher, but also how you can go beyond tolerating light to enjoying light and feeling good. I said you can go beyond tolerating life to enjoying life and feeling good. And the assumption underlining all of this is that if you have accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, if you've become separated unto him and committed your life to the Lord, and if you've accepted his forgiveness, for the Bible says there is no peace saith the Lord unto the wicked. And it says that the wicked are as a troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. And Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm so glad that I can report to you today, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus said that God sent his son not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so Paul in this hex gives those of us who've accepted Jesus Christ a bit of great advice. Once you become a son of God, are a daughter of God. 
Paul says in verse 4, Philippians 4, rejoice, express joy, manifest joy in the Lord. In other words, let joy and rejoicing be the fruit of your spiritual life. Let it be about God and the things that God has done in your life. Does anybody have something that God has done for them that they can rejoice about? The Bible says the Lord has done great things for us, for all we are glad. So we have many things to rejoice about. We can rejoice about our relationship with God. Our relationships with people may be going haywire and wrong, but as long as we've got Jesus in our lives and know the Lord, then we can rejoice about our relationship with him. But the Bible says, if a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Always, constantly rejoice. Let your rejoicing become a habit. Paul said, and again I say rejoice. So to rejoice is a biblical command. As an act of faith, believing in the power of Almighty God, knowing that the blessings of God have been in your life, we don't just come into the house of the Lord and sit quietly as if nothing good has ever taken place in our lives. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. And so Paul says to us, if you believe in God, if you know that he's done something wonderful in your life, always constantly rejoice. And if you rejoice, it'll become a habit. Not only is this a biblical command, but it is an expression of praise. Rejoicing is the way we thank God and praise God. For I'm one who believes that if I'm alive, God kept me alive. I'm one who believes that if I have health and strength, God gave that to me. And so we are his people and the sheep of his pasture and we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Has God done anything for anybody in the house today? If so, rejoice. The Lord has done great things for us. Prof, we are glad. Our rejoicing is not only an expression of praise, it's not only a biblical command, but it is an expression of our faith. We believe that we have a God who is on our side, who's watching out for us, who is taking care of us. And as long as we have a God like that, we have confidence about life and about living on the face of the earth. And we're not quiet when we come into the house of the Lord. We're not silent. We will never be silent when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah. Can I get a big hallelujah from the house today? In Romans 8 and 28, the Bible says, for all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. And so we believe based on the word of God that God works in our lives pulling things together for us. 
This is why we're optimistic about life. This is why we can praise him. This is why we have hope for tomorrow and joy, even for today, that God is working it out for us. How many of you believe God is working it out for you? That means that you never have a problem. You never have a difficulty. It means that in the midst of everything that you experience, God is working in your life, moving you ahead, watching out for your good, and blessing you. And so to rejoice is a good strategy for you. I said it's a good strategy for you. Life becomes unbearable and painful if we find nothing in life worth rejoicing about. Life can be tough. Life can be rough if we don't have something that we believe God is doing on our behalf to help us and to lift us. How depressed we would be if we felt that God and life had literally forgotten all about us. But our feelings and our sentiments are lifted. Our hope is nourished and strengthened. Our, our praise is given power and given might because we believe that there's somebody watching out for us. How many of you believe God is watching out for you? And so rejoicing gives you a control over your mind, over your emotions. As long as you're rejoicing and praising God, you cannot be depressed. You cannot be obsessed with suicide. You can say, God has been good to me. I bless the Lord. I praise him. I'm going to make it. I'm going to endure because my God is on my side. And you've got something to praise God for. Not only does rejoicing give you an optimistic sense of joy and a courage that will enable you to go forward, it lifts you into the realm of the spirit. As human beings, we're not meant to live merely in the realm of earthly things and material things and life on this earth. There is a God in charge of this universe of ours who loves us, who gave his son to die for us. And when we focus on that God, we have the capacity to rise up out of the realm of the physical and the material into the realm of the spirit and to worship God in spirit and in truth, for that's what God is looking for. We are not merely human beings of flesh on this earth, but we are spirit beings, and we communicate with our God when we worship him and rejoice in him and give him praise. Would somebody in the house Give God praise even now. And so Paul encourages us to rejoice in the Lord always. But then to be lifted into the realm of the Spirit by our worship, by our obedience, by our service of the Lord. So in verse 5, the Bible says, Let your gentleness, your moderation be known to all men. The King James Version says moderation. The New King James says gentleness, which in their at, at understanding in the, in the nature of the words in the original language applies gentleness and moderation in the same context. Gentleness is the opposite of harshness. It is the op opposite of sarcasm and abusiveness. And so what Paul is saying is let me see your ability to control your desires, your aspirations, and your expectations. Child of God, 
let me tell you, you may need to control your desires. You may need to control your aspirations and your expectations. One scholar observed that moderation is used here and it implies yieldedness. And what he's saying is you should have a strategy in dealing with people. Always try the kind way first. Tell your neighbor, always try the kind way first. Hallelujah. It's a fact that if you are hung up on yourself, hung up on things, you never will be happy. And so Paul says, avoid excessiveness. Be able to tell when enough is enough. Ask your neighbor, do you know when enough is enough? First Timothy 6, 9. I'm going to get in trouble now. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, into many hurt, foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Try not to want things that other people control. That makes sense. You have no control of it, then you're just dreaming and wishing, wishful thinking. And so don't get hung up on what other people control. Socrates said you're better off when you need the fewest things. So be able to say, all right, I have, if I have to, I can make it without this. But uh, if it comes, fine. But if I never have it, if it never comes my way, if I'm never at that level, Lord, I love you just the same, and I'm going to do the best that I can. See, you will never be happy if your happiness is based on something that you are trying to obtain. Do you hear me? The Lord is at hand, and when he comes, all of this stuff will pass away. I've never seen a U-Haul trailer behind a hearse yet. Ask your neighbor, have you ever seen a U-Haul trailer behind a hearse? Now, everything that's here, you're going to leave it here. Will somebody help me talk today? The Lord is at hand. When he comes, all of this will pass away. And so verse 6 says, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about a thing. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. He said, don't worry about these things. And in verse 32, he said, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. Isn't it wonderful that God knows what we need? He said in verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Worry never helps. Would you talk to your neighbor and tell them worry never helps? I'll never forget when I was trying to be six feet. I wanted to be six feet tall so bad. So when we would go and the school nurse would measure us, I would strain and stretch, struggle. Trying to be six feet now, still five feet, 11 and a half. I could not, by worrying, or even by striving, increase my height. And since I cannot, why should I worry about it? 
Worry never helps. Worry makes you sick. Worry can incapacitate you. Worry doubts God and all things that all things work together. Worry creates more worry and ultimately it creates terror. Worry hinders God's ability to help you and to do in your life what he wants to do. And he said to Moses, who was leading the multitude of the Israelites, why are you crying to me? Speak to the children of Israel that they may go forward. In other words, stop crying and moaning and groaning. Just tell them to go forward. The, the reward and the destiny is ahead, and I've made you the leader. So speak, go forward, and don't worry about it. Come on, tell your neighbor, don't worry about it. Hallelujah. And then he said, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We have the privilege of prayer. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, call unto me, the Lord says, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Prayer takes your mind off of the circumstances. Prayer reminds you and affirms that there is something beyond what we see and touch. Prayer focuses on the spiritual. And in Romans 8 and 6, the Bible says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so the Lord wants us to lift up the level of our minds and our faith and believe that he is God and that he has the capacity to turn situations around, to lift us higher than we've ever been before, to take us to places that we've never seen. Prayer will make a difference in our lives. And so the, the Paul said, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And first we thank God. We express our gratitude to God for all that he has done for us. You may not even believe it or accept it, but you're alive today because the Lord has been good to you. You're alive today because God gave you life. It's in God that we live, in God that we move, in God that we have our being. And so it is so appropriate that we as people of the Lord have come into God's house and we've worshiped him and we've gave him glory for all that he has done for us. And we've thanked him for strength, thanked him for health, thanked him for life. You're never so great that you don't have something to thank God for. Tell your neighbor, God has been good to me. Tell the neighbor on the other side, God has been good to me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God. And then I love Philippians four and seven, where it says, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep or guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. If you put the principles that I've shared to work in your life and believe in the God of peace and put your trust in him, rejoice in him, 
and pray to him and thank him for his goodness and thank him for his grace. He'll give you a peace that passes all understanding. There are some people who can introduce levels of peace and confidence in our lives. I've got some friends that when I call them up and talk to them, after my conversation with them, I feel better. But there are things that they cannot do for me. There are levels to which they cannot take me. But I've got another friend that I talk to. Every time I talk to him and tell him all about it, he takes me higher. He transforms my mind. He transforms my heart. He transforms my life. When you turn to God, the Bible says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Child of God, I'd like to offer to you somebody who will guard your mind, somebody who will protect you from the onslaughts of the enemy, somebody who will give you confidence that you can walk through the day and through the week with his power upon you. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ask our thing. And when you turn it over to Jesus, you can smile the rest of the day. So the peace of God stands guard over your mind. Why is it that you've made it so far? Why is it that you're still alive and functioning on this earth? Why is it that you are still going through and enduring by the power of God? It's because God has been with you. Even when you were not thinking about him, he was thinking about you. You're on God's mind. I said you're on God's mind. And that's why you're here. That's why you've made it. And I hope we'll all give him praise and thanks for all that he has done. But let me go a little bit farther. Hallelujah. In verse 8, Paul said there are some things that I want you to focus on. And if you focus your mind on these things, your life will be transformed. He said in verse 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there's any praise, focus your mind on those things. So Paul says, don't lose your focus. Don't focus on things of the world. Don't focus on things that are not worth your attention, but focus on God and focus on good. And God will bless you and take you higher than you've ever gone before. Now you've got to understand that Paul was in jail when he wrote these words. He wrote these words from the jailhouse and he could have focused on jail. He could have focused on the beatings. He could have focused on snake bites. He could have spoken on being stoned and being whipped and being thrown in jail. But he said, I'm not going to think about that. I'm just going to think about how good God 
has been to me. Would you tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm not going to focus on the negative, but I'm going to praise God that he's been so good to me. Look at you. You've got more than you've ever had. Look at you. You've risen higher than you've ever risen. Look at you. You're blessed and highly favored. You ought to praise God and glorify God. So Paul said, I'm going to thank God for good things. Tell three people, thank God for good things. Hallelujah. 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 Then he said, finally, that the God of peace will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so that what I've taught you, what I've shared, do it and obey it, and the God of peace will be with you. Listen, it's important to know how to abound. It's important to know how to be blessed. It's important to have and not let it go to your head or to your heart. It's important to succeed and not lose your love for God. If you succeed and forget about God, pride can develop. You can forget about others. You'll forget why God blessed you and why God brought you to where you are. If you don't really think about it, you'll be wasteful and foolish with what you have. And you'll use it for the wrong objectives and for the wrong purpose. But when your mind is focused on right thinking and prayerfulness, you'll understand that whatever I have, God gave it to me. Whatever I can do, God made it possible. I'm not too proud to say thank you, Lord. I'm not too wrapped up in myself to say I love you, Lord. I give you credit. I give you glory. I say whatever I've got, whatever I've done, wherever I'm going, whatever I shall become, it's God that helped me, and I'm going to give him praise. Come on, say your neighbor, it's God. It's God that helped me. I'm going to give him praise. Come on, help me say it. It's God that helped me. I will praise him. I will give him glory. I will give him honor. Clap your hands, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Stand up, everybody. Give God praise. Give God glory. Give him honor. Give him honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so Paul said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Oh, would you just tell two people, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can make it. I'm an overcomer. I'm a victor. I never take the credit to myself. I never claim that my success is attributable to anything but God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. 
Therefore, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his court with praise. To whom do you give credit for the accomplishments of your life? It is in God that we live, in God that we move, in God that we have our being. No living without God, no moving without God, no being without God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. If you are sure, no doubt in your mind, that God is watching over your life, and that you owe him praise and thanksgiving. I want you to clap your hands as fast as you can. Open your mouth as wide as you can and thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth of ours wrought many miracles that are attested to by those who walked with him every day. He died on a cross to payment for our sin, the evil that we had brought into the earth. He arose from the dead. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and on the third day morning, he arose from the dead. Thousands of disciples and witnesses, followers, saw him on the earth after his resurrection. They were convinced that Jesus is alive. He's returned from the dead. And that same resurrection is available to us if we will trust him, we too can overcome the enemy of death and rise before him and with him in the days that are to come by the almighty power of God. Jesus wants to be your savior. He wants to transform your life and set you free. And there's someone here in the room who will say, Preacher, I need God in my life. All of the crazy things that are happening on our earth, this pandemic, this crazy loss of so many who are valuable to us and whom we love, the evil things that are taking place or drive us to God, to Jesus Christ. And we should say with faith in our hearts, dear Lord, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for me, that he rose again from the dead, and I receive him as my Lord. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, if all that has taken place recently in the world has caused you to be desperate to find meaning and purpose in life, and you believe that you can find it through Jesus Christ who died for your sins. 
I just want you to lift your hand up as your way of saying, preacher, pray for me. I want to know Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. Lift that hand high. I see that hand. I see that hand. Pray for me, preacher. I want to accept the risen Lord as my Savior and as my life, my Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for those who have lifted their hands. I pray to the Lord for those who have said, I want to know Jesus as my Savior. I want to live my life for one who has power over death, over the forces of materialism and the physical in the earth. I want to live for Jesus, the Son of God. And I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me, please. Pray after me these words. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I thank you, Lord. I am forgiven. I have new life. I am saved. Clap your hands, everybody. If you lifted your hand, I want to be the first to congratulate you on having all of your sins forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ, who was wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities, chastisement of your pieces upon him, the Savior who died for you and who rose again. I want to know your name. I want to write you this week a letter of encouragement. I want to give you literature that you can read in the privacy of your own home. I want to pray for you and have your name on my prayer list that the blessings of the Lord would be yours. And so we praise God for you. If you lifted your hand, said, Preacher, I want to know Jesus. Step into the aisle. Come down to the altar.